Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast looking at trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. Today we're looking at chapter 16 of Twilight, titled Carlisle. So we literally pick up right where we left off, which was with Edward showing Bella around the house. And he had just given her a bunch of backstory about Carlisle. And so he drags her to Carlisle's office and he waits outside of the door and he hears Carlisle say, come in. And Bella, the architect, strikes again because as soon as they open the door, she sees a high-ceilinged room with tall, west-facing windows. (laughs) The walls were panelled in a darker wood. Is it really possible for every room in this house to be high-ceilinged? Like, it's a three-storey house, and every room has a high ceiling. Like, I, I, I just don't know if that's architecturally possible. But I'm not the architect, Bella is, so maybe it is. She would know better than me. And she said that most of the wall space was taken up by towering bookshelves that reached high above her head. More books than she'd seen outside of a library. That's one problem solved. Now she can just borrow books from Carlisle and she doesn't have to drive to Seattle. Good for her. Also, this scene's just really giving me like Beauty and the Beast vibes. With the West Wing and the library and (laughs) a monster dating a young girl. Oh my god. Did Stephanie Meyer just rip off of Beauty and the Beast? She lives with a dad. Her name's Bella. Instead of Belle. Everyone in the town wants a piece of her, even though she's bookish and boring. She's a pale brunette. (gasps) She's too selfless for her own sense of self-preservation. Oh my God. Stephanie Meyer just copied Beauty and the Beast. I really feel like I've cracked the code here. Wow, okay. Reeling. Anyway, so Carlisle's like, what can I do for you two? And Edward says that he wanted to show Bella some of their history. And he spins Bella around and shows her the back wall. And it's covered with like artwork. And now she's also an art critic because she says the wall was crowded with framed pictures of all sizes, some in vibrant colours, others dull monochromes. She searched for some logic, some binding motif the collection had in common, but she found nothing in her hasty examination. I didn't realise you did art appraisals in your spare time, Bella. Like, she should be working in a gallery. So Edward points out a painting which depicts a miniature city full of steeply slanted roofs with thin spires atop a few scattered towers. And there's a wide river in the foreground. And Edward says, that's London in the 1650s. And 
Would we describe London of the 1650s as a miniature city? Like, I know it would have developed since then, but like, at least in 1650, it still would have been quite big. Like, that's around the time they had the Great Fire of London. They didn't call it the Miniature Fire of London. And Edward says to Carlisle, how about you tell the story? And Carlisle's like, I'm actually running late to get to the hospital, so bye. And he leaves the room. So in the chapter named after him, Carlisle is not really in the chapter very much. Bizarre, this should have just been carried on from last chapter, but whatever. And Bella says she stared at the little picture of Carlisle's hometown for a long moment. And can we stop acting like London wasn't the biggest city in the world at that time? She's literally making out like it's the Forks of England. It's not the Forks of England, babe. Even in 1650. And Bella asks, well, what happened after Carlisle realised what happened to him when he turned into a vampire? And Edward says that once Carlisle realised what he had become, he rebelled against it and tried to destroy himself, but that's not easily done. He says that Carlisle jumped from great heights, he tried to drown himself in the ocean, but that didn't work, so then he tried to kill himself with starvation. And Bella says, oh, does that work? And he says, no, there are very few ways we can be killed. I don't know if that's true, because from my memory, a vampire is going to die at the end of this book, and vampires die throughout the rest of the series. So... Can it really be that difficult to kill them? And so then Edward says that he grew very hungry and weak and he tried to stay away from the human population because he was realising that his willpower was weakening as well. And, And this happened for months. Months he'd been a vampire. And then one night a herd of deer passed his hiding place and he was so wild with thirst that he attacked without a thought. And then his strength returned and that's when he realised there was an alternative to being a vampire who feeds on humans. And he's like, maybe I'll just feed off of wild deer and other animals. And you're telling me that that took him months to figure out? Months. He ate meat as a human, but it never occurred to him to maybe go down to the butcher's shop and pick up a gallon of blood. Carlisle's an idiot. (laughs) And then once he'd figured out that he could just drink animal blood, He devoted himself to like studying and learning and then he swam to France and Bella's like, he swam to France? And Edward shoots it down. He says, people swim the channel all the time, Bella. And she's like, yeah, I know. It just sounded funny in context, okay? And he says, swimming's actually easy for us because technically we don't need to breathe. And she's like, what? And I'm also like, what? Because if you don't need to breathe, then why are you breathing? He's always breathing his nice smelling breath into her face. And now I'm thinking he does that on purpose to try and turn her on. He knows exactly the effect his breath has on her. So he's just breathing in her face as one of his little power plays. And he even says, it's not really necessary. It's just a habit to keep breathing. She says, well, how long could you go without breathing? And he says, indefinitely, I suppose. But it gets a bit uncomfortable because we're without a sense of smell. And correct me if I'm wrong, but wouldn't it solve a lot of your problems if you just stopped breathing around Bella so then you couldn't smell her? Like, you've just given yourself the solution. Take it. Take it and run with it, mate. Just stop breathing around her, and that's half your battle won. Then we have another interlude about Edward saying he's dangerous and he's surprised at how well she's taking everything and she should really be feeling fearful. 
It's a well-trod path at this point, so let's get back into the story. So Carlyle swim into France, and he did a little gap year Kentucky through Europe, just stopping at all the cities and going to universities and studying music, science, medicine. And that's when he found his calling to save human lives as his penance. And I don't know his penance for what. He hasn't done anything. He didn't kill any other humans. He's only killed deer. And Edward says it took Carlyle two centuries of torturous effort to perfect his self-control. Now he is all but immune to the scent of blood, and he is able to do the work he loves without agony. Or he could just stop breathing. Like, you just told us the solution to this problem is to just stop breathing and not have a sense of smell. He didn't have to spend centuries practicing. Am I, am I taking crazy pills? Vampires have it too easy in this book. Can't be killed to overcome things that just need to hold a breath. Like, then they're looking at a painting set in Italy and it's just a bunch of people in robes on a balcony and she notices that one of them is Carlyle. And Edward says, oh, Solomena was greatly inspired by Carlyle and his friends. He often painted them as gods. And if you're not an art historian like Bella, Solomena was an Italian painter from the Baroque period. And as I always say, if it ain't Baroque, don't fix it. And he says that the three friends in the painting are Aro, Marcus, and Caius. I think this might be the Volturi. The Volturi that pop up, I think, maybe not next book, but maybe the third book. I, I can't really remember for sure, but it, it could be the Volturi. Because it's in Italy. Makes sense. Oh, and Bella says, what happened to them? Wondering aloud with her fingertip hovering a centimetre from the canvas. And I'm thinking, bitch, don't touch the painting. If that really is an original Solomena from the 17th century, like that's, that's priceless. So please don't, please don't get your grubby little fingers on the paintings. Also, it's a bit selfish of Carlyle to have this priceless painting just hanging out in his office. Like, donate it to a museum. And also it's a painting of yourself. How up yourself are you to have a painting of yourself front and center in your office? Do you really need to be looking at yourself from 300 years before? No. That's like people whose iPhone home backgrounds are pictures of themselves. Like, it's just very self-involved. Private art collectors have always bothered me. Like, just, just donate it to somewhere that the public can see it. Even though I had never heard of Solomena, so maybe his shit. <laughs> but yeah, Edward says they are still there in Italy. Um, they've been hanging out there for who knows how many millennia. But Carlisle only stayed with them for a few decades because they tried to convince him to continue to eat humans and he tried to convince them to not eight humans basically Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless ready to get 30 30 ready get 30 ready get 20 20 20 ready get 20 20 ready get 15 15 15 15 just 15 bucks a month so give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So it was at that point that Carlisle decided to try out the new world because he was very lonely and he dreamed of finding others like himself. Like we are getting more backstory on Carlisle than we have on Charlie. We know more about Carlisle at this point than we know about Bella herself. And she's the one narrating the stupid thing. So a lot of backstory. It is more interesting. I'm quite liking the backstory, but I don't know what point it serves. I don't know what we're building towards here or when the payoff is going to come. And it sort of just reiterates my thought that the book would have been better focusing on Carlisle or any one of the other vampires in the Cullen family other than Edward. So Carlisle's in America and he's craving companionship. So when the influenza epidemic hits, he's in a hospital in Chicago working and that's when he sees Edward and he decides to act. So for a few years, he'd been thinking, oh, I'd love to turn a human into a companion, but that's just so morally reprehensible. So he waited until he found someone who was dying. And as someone working in a hospital, can't believe that took him years. He had to wait for a pandemic to hit before he could find someone in that category. But then he finds Edward, because Edward's 17 years old and dying alone in the hospital. And that's also a bit creepy. Like, his first choice for a companion for eternity was a 17-year-old boy? Very suspicious and very inappropriate. So Carlisle turned Edward. This is all stuff we've heard about before. Edward's already told us this, but hey, why not repeat it when you've got a word count to fill? So Bella asks if she's always been with Carlisle and he says, oh, almost always. And then they walk down the hallway and she says, almost. And he says, well, I did have a typical bout of rebellious adolescence. And he fobs it off like he was just sneaking out of his room at night to go clubbing and like engaging in underage drinking and mild drug use. But no, he was, he was killing people. And he's like, oh, a minor bout of rebelliousness, you know, as, as we do, ha ha. And Bella says she was intrigued rather than frightened. I mean, that's what we've come to expect. And he says, that doesn't repulse you? And she says, nah. And he says, why not? And she goes, well, I guess it's reasonable. <laughs> she's a sociopath. She, she's totally fine with the idea of Edward killing people. Wow, and she's, and she's happy to date him. She's happy to date someone who has knowingly murdered people and drunk their blood. Like, I don't even want to date anybody that's ever done a racist tweet or said anything sexist or or posted like a transphobic meme but she's fine with murderers like i don't even want to date someone who doesn't vote (laughs) but she's 
her standards are just lower than mine. I just have to accept that. And he says it was for a few years. It's not like he just went off, drank some blood, had a bit of a bender, you know, a wild weekend on the town with the boys. He says it was a few years until he came back to Carlisle and recommitted to his vision. But he does say he had a bit of a loophole. Because he can read thoughts, he didn't kill innocent people. He only pursued those who were evil and had evil thoughts. Intentionally tracked down a murderer who was stalking someone down a dark alley. And then he would save that person by killing the murderer. So he's Dexter. And I'll say it again. That's a book I'd read. I would love to read that book of Edward being a Dexter and just killing killers. Which leads me to think, like, morally, how can he justify hearing people's thoughts and not stepping in when there's murderers and criminals and serial killers out there? You're telling me that if Edward ran into Ted Bundy along his travels, when he was with Carlisle, he would just be like, oh, that's a murderer, but I'm not going to kill him because it's wrong to drink human blood. And he just let him keep going. Like, that's, that's philosophically a grey area. He's gone from protecting the streets of Chicago by helping people down dark alleys to just hanging out with Bella at high school. Why is he wasting all his potential in biology class at Forks High when he could be out there actually helping? But whatever. To each their own. And then they get to Edward's room. And Bella says it was a room that faced south. She's got that inbuilt compass. The western wall was covered with shelf after shelf of CDs. She says there wasn't a bed, only an inviting black leather sofa. I know he doesn't sleep, but surely he would enjoy a lie down every now and then. Like, there's nothing greater in this earth than a nap. And you're telling me he can't even just lie down and rest his eyes for, like, a kip? And she's looking at his CD collection and he says, how are these organized? And he says, by year and then by personal preference within that frame, which is psychotic. (laughs) What's wrong with the alphabet, right? (laughs) Crazy. And then he smiles, happy to like share his life with her. And then they have another weird moment where, where Edward's like, oh, you really should be scared of me. And she's like, but I'm not scared of you. And I'm like, we know we go, we go over this multiple times each chapter. We, we need to move on. Like, I'm sorry, but we do not have time to just rehash this over and over and over again. And she says, I hate to burst your bubble, but you're really not as scary as you think you are. I don't find you scary at all, actually. She's lying casually because now she can lie. I'm still not over fucking chapter three, page 13 or whatever, when she said that she didn't lie. It's like, you lie, hun. You lie all the time. And he's like, you shouldn't have said that. And then he growls and then... He pounces at her and like he actually leaps at her and like crash tackles her onto the sofa and pins her down. He curled Bella into a ball against his chest, holding her more securely than iron chains. And she glared at him in alarm, but he seemed well in control. And then his jaw relaxed as he grinned and he's like, as you were saying, that's roughhousing. It's just very aggressive flirting. Like, you've already kissed her. If you want an excuse to cuddle, just say, hey, let's have a cuddle on my couch, not my bed. Your boyfriend, girlfriend, you don't need a crash tackler just to get close. And then Alice and Jasper interrupt and come into Edward's room and Bella's embarrassed, but Alice doesn't really care. She says, it sounded like you were having Bella for lunch and we came to see if you would share. (laughs) I just, I'm not comfortable 
with the vampires eating the human jokes. <laughs> but Alice is. Alice is. She said three words to Bella before, but now she's like, you smell good, Bella. I'd love to eat you, Bella. And Bella's like, oh God, your family's so sweet. And Jasper says, Alice says there's going to be a real storm tonight and Emmett wants to play ball. Are you game? And Bella's like, oh, I understand all those words, but when you put them together, I'm not quite sure what he's talking about. But Edward's eyes light up and he's like, ooh. And Alice is like, of course you should bring Bella. And so he looks at Bella and he's like, do you want to go? And he's all excited. And she's like, uh, yeah, sure. But I'm like, you're not giving her any context. And he says, oh, we have to wait for Thunder to play ball. You'll see why. And she says, will I need an umbrella? And then all three of them laughed. <laughs> they're like, they're like how, how funny that she doesn't know what we're talking about, even though we've given her no context. Ha 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 Let's all make fun of the dumb human. And I, only I can make fun of this dumb human. And Jasper asks Alice, being like, will she need an umbrella? And she says, no, the storm will just hit over town. It should be dry enough in the clearing. And she's like, positive. And Jasper's like, oh, that's great. And then Bella finds herself feeling more eager rather than scared. And it's like, you know, that's just Jasper controlling your emotions, right? Like you can't trust your emotions when you're in the room with Jasper. Like, I know I go off at Edward for manipulating Bella, but Jasper's actually legitimately manipulating her. And then Alice says, let's go see if Carlisle will come. And she bolts out the door. And I, I, I'm sorry, I thought Carlisle was at the hospital. He, he just left to go to the hospital to work. Did Stephanie forget or did Alice not realise that he'd already left, even though she can see the future and has super hearing like the rest of them? Uh, whatever. And Bella's like, well, what, what game are we playing? And Edward's like, you'll be watching. We'll be playing baseball. And she rolls her eyes and she says, vampires like baseball? And he says, it's the American pastime. And that's the end of the chapter. So, I mean, it was, it was just a backstory chapter. And we got to see Edward's room, but... They didn't even get to do it or anything. So boring. And the next chapter is called The Game. And okay, that could be pretty fun. That could be pretty fun. I'm sort of remembering what happens and maybe this is when they play baseball and get interrupted by the pack of other vampires. Which if true, how did Alice not see that coming? She can see the weather, but she she can't see them coming. I wouldn't be putting much trust in Alice. She's a bit... She's a bit like a horoscope in a shitty local newspaper. Like, take it with a grain of salt. So yeah, I'll see you next week for baseball fun. In the meantime, feel free to rate and review, like and subscribe. You can email me at breakingdownpod at gmail.com or send me a tweet to podbreakingdown. My personal Twitter is NathanBrown90. You can chuck me a tweet there too. And I'll see you next week. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 